Here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. If you've been anywhere near downtown, you've seen the massive construction happening near the Lower Hill District. First National Bank says it'll include a $100 million concert venue and that they'll reinvest that money back into the Lower Hill. But they're not the first people to make those promises. We're with historian and author David Rotenstein talking about the pair of bootlegging brothers whose influence on the Hill outlasted their lives. It's Wednesday, February 22nd. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Life in the Hill District has starkly changed, you know, over the past like 100 years. Um, it went from an area of, of immigrants to a predominantly African-American neighborhood uh, that became like the epicenter of nightlife and culture here. How and when did that transformation happen? So it, it really began to take place in the years bracketing the turn of the 20th century. Entertainment and hospitality entrepreneurs began buying and renting properties in the Lower Hill District where they opened up saloons, restaurants, hotels, um, and and businesses that, for, for all intents and purposes, were, were, were meant to fly under the radar. Brothels, gambling mm-hmm. joints, and, and other uh, establishments where people could satisfy their, their legal and illegal needs. And as the demand for food, alcohol, women, and gambling and music eventually increased, you know, the number of establishments increased. And it seems like the entrepreneurs who picked the intersection of Fullerton and Wiley as the place to invest and to establish their businesses really laid a foundation for what became Pittsburgh's best known entertainment district, the Hill District. What made the Hill appealing? for um, businesses like this? Is it, is it you know, because during that time, is it kind of like location, location, location? You're close to the city. You are in the city. You're absolutely right. It's close to downtown. So there, there was proximity to the central business district, which was always a plus. But also at this time, the hill was becoming a densely settled immigrant neighborhood with migrants, uh, African-American migrants in the Deep South, uh, migrants from Eastern and Southern Europe, the, the British Isles all converging on this space and bringing with them both demands for certain things, demands for, for certain foods, for certain drinks, certain entertainment, and then also the opportunity to provide these things in an environment that was dominated at, at this time by, by Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. So African-Americans who came up from the South experienced a, a heavily segregated and anti-Black racist environment. Jews who came here from Eastern Europe experienced anti-Semitism. Irish who came here from, from the, the United Kingdom experienced anti-Irish sentiment. And then, of course, mm-hmm. Italians from, from Southern Europe also experienced xenophobia and, and bias. So in order to find a way to get ahead economically and socially, they created these businesses. And because there was such a demand for these businesses and these immigrant groups had such a wealth of cultural traditions, be it be it foodways, musical traditions, dance traditions, the right set of circumstances converged in the first decades of the 20th century where 
all of these these things came together in such a way that that made the Lower Hill a popular place for people to consume these things. Who were the people that uh, were some of the first investors in in these businesses in the Hill District? It was a, a pair of Irish brothers, Irish-American brothers, who came to Pittsburgh by, by way of Kentucky, who began buying property in the Lower Hill District after running saloons in other parts of the city. Uh, starting around 19, 1903, 1904, Thomas and Martin Burke began buying parcels at the intersection of Wiley and Fullerton, and they opened up uh, a couple of saloons. Martin opened up a hotel on Fullerton. And then in 1914, uh, Martin's nephew and Thomas's son, Thomas Burke Jr., bought a piece of property right next to his uncle Martin's hotel and built a three-story brick building that housed a pool hall in the basement, a theater, one of Pittsburgh's earliest movie theaters on the ground floor, and then a dance hall on 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 the upper floor. So they they really created this this energy for entertainment and hospitality at the intersection and attracted others to do the same. They also provided uh, opportunities for people to engage in legal and illegal activities, whether it was drinking, gambling, prostitution, whatever. And many folks in the neighborhood appreciated it, and then many other folks didn't appreciate it. And you mentioned that these these brothers are are Irish immigrants. This is the earliest twentieth century. How are they getting money to to buy these properties? You know, this was a time where um, there were Irish immigrants, Italian immigrants that weren't able to get loans and things like that from banks. So, um, yeah, how are they getting money to acquire all this property? That's an excellent question. And you have to look backwards towards the the entertainment and hospitality businesses they were running in other parts of the city. You know, they they didn't just all of a sudden decide to set up in the Hill District and engage in bootlegging activities and perhaps gambling and other other things. Vice is a very quick pathway to wealth if mm. if you know the business and you're careful in in how you conduct your business you know you have to have to stay out of jail you have to stay alive you know yeah. so they they successfully navigated Pittsburgh's early vice underworld economy to accumulate enough wealth to begin buying these properties at the intersection of um Fullerton and Wiley. And by bootlegging do you mean um Alcohol. Like, Alcohol. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. so bootlegging is a, a catch-all term for the illegal manufacture, transportation, and sale of alcohol. In this case, the best I can tell from the historical records is they were in, involved in the, the unlawful sale of, of alcoholic beverages, especially after Prohibition began in 1920. I'm not going to lie, though. I don't love the idea of, um, you know, these, the, these two white men... Uh, the Berg brothers b being behind the building of, you know, a lot of the structures of the hill, what what eventually became like kind of like, you know, a little bit of a renaissance, you know, in the hill district. How was that taken during that time? Like, were they very inclusive in the neighborhood that they were um, operating these businesses in? Not at all. So the, the Berks were happy to take uh, African-American money at their at their saloons. But they were castigated by the um, Pittsburgh Courier after 
Thomas Burke, the older brother, died in 1923, for not hiring blacks as bartenders and for taking advantage of the blacks in, in, in the Hill District neighborhood. So in, in some respects, you know, they, they did create this environment for for the birth of the Hill District Entertainment District, but they also engaged in activities that were very harmful and that were discriminatory towards their, their African-American neighbors. The show today is brought to you by an incredible local resource, AIDS Free Pittsburgh, and their pledge to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in Allegheny County by 2030. If that is a cause that is close to your heart, make sure you're around for their biggest event of the summer, the sixth annual Too Hot for July. It is a party, but it is also a chance to get confidential HIV and STI testing for free, plus info on the incredible preventative medicines we have now to keep yins happy, healthy, and feeling your most confident out on the town. So come on out to Allegheny Commons East Park on Thursday, May 30th. Yes, July is in the name, but the event is in May. Don't get confused. May 30th from 4 to 10 p.m. There will be DJ sets, a health fair and marketplace, a ballroom-inspired dance battle, cash bar, food trucks, and more. Plus, a performance by Tony Award winner Alex Newell, a.k.a. Unique, from Glee. This is all thanks to True Tea Pittsburgh and so many folks doing the good work out here in the community. So do not miss out. Learn more at TooHotForJuly.com. How did the the era of the Burks brothers end? So the the end came pretty quickly. Martin Burke became one of the first um, bootlegging kingpins to be prosecuted in the region by by federal authorities. So he was convicted in federal court in Cleveland in early 1923 and sentenced to 13 months in the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary. And he was settling up his his affairs one Sunday evening in in January of of 1923, uh, meeting with his his nephew, his brother, and some other business partners to determine who was going to take over the business while he was away at, at the Atlanta Pen. His partners left, and he heard a knock at the door, opened the door, and two men shot him and, and killed him in, in the doorway to his East Liberty home. That sounds like something from a, a season finale of a Boardwalk Empire or something like that. Well, you know, now that you mention it, Martin Burke did happen to have a very large home in Atlantic City. And the... One of the things that they were discussing besides who was going to manage the Hill District properties was Martin Burke had planned to open a high-end cabaret in East Liberty mm. based on on cabarets that he enjoyed frequenting in Atlantic City. So it is entirely possible that Martin Burke actually knew the bootleggers featured in the the, the Boardwalk Empire series. Yeah. He 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 died on the spot in in January of 1923, his nephew, uh, Thomas Burke Jr. and brother Thomas took over the business and continued to to run their their operations. So, you know, the the family still stayed in business and and eventually things petered out after after prohibition. Thomas went on to to other businesses managing the the family's real estate empire. But, you know, the Burks 
the Burke's reign of, of prominence in the Hill lasted from about 1903 until about 1930, 1935. That's a lot of years. How did the makeup of the neighborhood, how did the Hill District change after um, the Burke's brothers' businesses kind of went under? Sure. So, so as as time progressed, and you know, additional businesses opened in that in that intersection. So, Gus Greenlee, the entrepreneur who mm. eventually bought the the Pittsburgh Crawfords and built Greenlee Field, began opening his first uh, restaurants and cabarets at that intersection. And then you had other entertainment entrepreneurs coming in and and, and opening businesses in that stretch, and and, and Eventually, that that entertainment district that sort of began at Wiley and Flirton, which got the nickname Crossroads of the World, spread up Wiley Avenue and then expanded into Center and, and Webster. So, so by by the the end of the the Second World War, the entire Hill District had become this this bustling jazz age entertainment district mostly dominated by the African Americans who had settled there after coming to Pittsburgh from the deep south during the great migration. Yeah. And we can see in the the current redevelopment plans for for the hill uh, taking place, you know, to to the proposals for a music venue for for additional um additional businesses, additional housing, we, we can see the, the same contested situation that's a continuation of the urban renewal displacements that happened in the 1950s and 1960s, where um, the city is, is, you know, applying a heavy hand in redevelopment and not really giving the folks with a stake in the community's history and the land an opportunity to, to be an, an equal partner in, in what's happening. So if, if you look at, say, the, the 1950s and 1960s, the city stole the land through, through urban renewal. The city stole the futures of the, the many black residents who lived, played, worked, and worshipped in that space. And then if you look at what's happening with the redevelopment today and the erasure of black history, the city is also stealing the, the black history associated with that space. So there's a continuum of, of negative effects that, that's happening with that space that you can trace all the way back to that first urban renewal phase in the 1950s. David Rotenstein is a historian and writer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. A little more news before you go. Landlords in Allegheny County are getting cash incentives to rent to people who are experiencing homelessness. According to Public Source, officials are struggling to find long-term housing for unhoused people in the county. A program through the Department of Human Services is offering landlords $2,000 for renting to people transitioning out of shelters and $1,000 for renewing their lease. This initiative comes after the city's removal of a tent encampment and a lack of space at shelters this winter. And some good news, Bicycle Heaven Museum on the city's north side is open again after a flood around Christmas caused thousands of dollars in repairs. The museum carries a huge collection of vintage bikes, most of which were not damaged by the flood. A GoFundMe raised over $17,000 to help with repairs. You can check out all the cool bikes for free daily from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends, rate the show, leave us a review, and of course, subscribe to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Rubbing my jeans, sorry.